0: I want to thank uh, Dr. David Falk and his uh, lovely wife Dawn and their little puppy uh, for that. Um, so, welcome everybody, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online uh, as well. <clears throat> Just a reminder about that this is year end, uh, as you've already noticed, and uh, We are going to encourage you just to, if you want to get receipted, a charitable receipt for your giving uh, to be credited to the year 2020. If you're bringing us um, cash or check or anything like that, it needs to be here at the church on the morning of by 9 a.m., December 31st. If you're giving online, you've got till midnight. Um, I guess, 1159 on December the 31st to do that. But I want to thank you for your generosity. Uh, You've been hearing uh, us talk about uh, giving, uh, compassionate giving during this time. We've received, uh, if I'm not in error here, well over $3,000 just in the last few weeks uh, that has come over and above our regular giving. Thank you. And so Jesus said, "'It is more blessed to give than to receive.'" And uh, it's interesting. Um, we raise this money, and there's uh, some of us have divvied this uh, responsibility of giving to people who are struggling, uh, who are hurting, uh, who are less fortunate than we are uh, at Christmas, and buying gifts giving gift cards and that sort of thing. And uh, two ladies in particular, Kim and Melva, have really been going after this. And this morning, um, I, I came to the church and these ladies were just giggling. They were having so much fun. And that you demonstrated that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, uh, because I know they're just having the time of their life doing this. And uh, we're going to be making deliveries this week. So thank you so much. Thank you for supporting your church. Uh, please help us in whatever way you can during this difficult time. But do remember those, uh, the poor, and remember those who are struggling. Father, I just want to thank you for uh, the opportunity to meet today. And I pray that you would help me. Uh, Holy Spirit, may you... Um, fill my mouth with uh, your words. And uh, may this message be, as it were, uh, from the Lord and not just from me. And I thank you for the Bible. We thank you for this passage today that we're going to examine. And we pray, Lord, that you would use it uh, to encourage us and to build us up in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I like surprises. <clears throat> I, I do like to be surprised but there's some surprises I enjoy and then there's some that I don't enjoy so much. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the nature of the surprise. I, I love a surprise birthday party, you know, that, that kind of thing, especially if I'm the recipient of it. That, that's kind of fun. Um, uh, some of you uh, are hoping that you're going to be surprised at Christmas when you get that gift that you were not expecting but you're really glad you got it. Uh, there are happy surprises. And we enjoy, usually, happy surprises. But then there's some surprises that are not so nice. And um, there's things like, I remember going to my mailbox more than once. I'll go to my mailbox, get my mail, and I look at the envelopes. And then there's these ones where it's got a window, and I could tell it's from the Calgary Police Service. And you know how it looks on the, you say, I got a speeding ticket. Okay, I just got a speeding ticket. That's not a nice surprise. Or receiving a notice from Revenue Canada that you uh, owe back taxes. That would not uh, be a nice surprise. Uh, Or waking up in the morning and going out to your car, as I have done more than once, and realizing your car has been broken into and things were taken. Um, Or finding out at the age of 70 that your health insurance just lapsed, your group health insurance plan, as I just did a few weeks ago. Uh, We're okay. But I thought it went until age 71. I just didn't do my homework. I usually am quite well prepared. But uh, anyway, that was not a nice surprise. So the fact is, we don't always know what's around the corner. God can see past, present, and future. But we don't know what the future holds. Everything in life can be going along just fine. And then suddenly something happens that changes everything. Globally, this happened in 1929 with the stock market crash and the Great Depression. Uh, more recently, uh, well, in the United States, you know, Pearl Harbor in 1941, December 7th, 1941, and then uh, 9-11, the terrorist attacks on 9-11. Uh, these are called black swan events. You know, they're, they're a rarity, but they change everything. And then more recently, COVID-19. Um, You know, I looked back actually because I got curious to see how many people were predicting uh, a pandemic like this. I know Bill Gates talked about it a few years ago, but uh, I don't think too many of us were expecting it. So what this should do, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, it should teach us humility. Humility. And this is what it says in James chapter 4. You know, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or that city and start a business and make money. He says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a vapor that appears and then vanishes. It should teach us humility. If the Lord wills, sure. But we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so that means that we have to prepare for the unexpected. We need to be prepared for the unexpected. And that's what I want to talk about today. How can you be prepared for the unexpected? That's why we buy life insurance. How many of you have ever had life insurance or have life insurance right now? Okay, I think a lot of you. Some of you maybe don't believe in it. But the reason people buy life insurance is uh, just in case the breadwinner of the house dies, let's say, and then that person can know that his or her family are taken care of. It's also why when I go for a walk on a cloudy day and it kind of feels like rain, I'm going to take an umbrella with me just in case. And I usually have a rain jacket tied around my waist. Um, And so for me, I really like to be prepared. And I actually am a fairly well-prepared person. My wife Uh, can outdo me, Uh, but together we make a pretty good team. We're actually quite well prepared uh, for just about everything we do. I do not like to be caught off guard, but if I am caught off guard, I love to know that I prepared in advance for just that eventuality. Um, And so I like to plan for unexpected contingencies. Uh, Somebody once said, I, I don't know who said this, but you should always be ready to preach on a moment's notice, pray on a moment's notice, um, give a testimony on a moment's notice, sing on a moment's notice, or die on a moment's notice. Just be ready at all times to do any one of those things. Now, we know that preparedness is important. How many of you remember fire drills when you were a kid in school? I remember, I mean, at least back when I went to to school in the 50s and early 60s, in elementary school, I remember the sound of that bell. It was really jarring, and that bell would go like crazy, and the kids would jump up from the desks, and we had this fire drill. Just because in uh, in the unlikely event of a fire, we would know what to do, and everybody, uh, while we wouldn't panic. And so preparedness, readiness, should become a way of life for us so that we're just ready for anything. And that's especially true in the spiritual realm. And that's why I hope that everybody who's watching or everybody who's listening today will pay attention to what I want to share with you um, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 1. Uh, and he told a parable of these ten maidens. That, it's called the parable of the ten virgins, but they were ten unmarried women. And they were to go meet the bridegroom, and they take their oil lamps. They didn't have electricity. They took their lamps with them. But they didn't know when the bridegroom would show up. It says five of the, these women brought extra oil for their lamps. Well, it took a while. The bridegroom took a little while, a little longer than expected. And what happened is they, they fell asleep and then the bridegroom suddenly showed up and five of those maidens who didn't have extra oil realized they were unprepared and they were not able to go meet the bridegroom. And it's really a parable that Jesus told about readiness, spiritual readiness. In the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about his coming again. And they call that the Olivet Discourse because it was on the Mount of Olives. And he talked about the fact that, you know, I've come to earth in the first advent, and I'm here with you now, but I am going away, but I will come back once again. And he wanted us to be prepared. That's what Matthew chapter 24 was all about. He said, I want you to be ready because you don't know when I will come back. And so that's why I'm hoping that you'll listen really carefully to what I'm gonna share with you today. Now, um, you might say, well, Brian, uh, this is the season of Advent. This is Christmas. Why are you talking about the second coming? Because that is traditionally what churches are supposed to do at this time of year. We talk about his first advent when Jesus came as a baby born in a stable in Bethlehem. We look back historically on that event and we celebrate it. Light has come into this world of darkness. The Savior was born. But Advent is also a time when we look ahead to his second coming. He is coming back and he will bring heaven to earth. Heaven and earth will once again be reunited in the new creation Right now we live between the times. That's a theological term. Theologians say we live between the times, between his first advent and his second advent. And so how should the knowledge that he's coming back again impact the way we live today? And I want us to take a look at a passage in the New Testament. It's found in First Thessalonians chapter five. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and the Apostle Paul knew about the teaching of Jesus he met Jesus on the Damascus Road he was taught by the Lord and he knew the words that Jesus said for instance in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24 he knew about that and now he's kind of repeating this and he's reminding the Christians in the city of Thessalonica about the words that Jesus said and this is what it says now brothers and sisters about times and dates we don't need to write you For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace, safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Now, he's telling us about dates and times, the chronology of when Jesus is going to come and all the events that will line up with that. He's saying, you don't need to worry about that. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus' own disciples said, can you tell us when these things will take place? And he says, you don't need to know that. All you need to know is the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's what you need to know. But about times and dates, not so important. So Christian, don't get caught up in that foolishness about trying to figure all that stuff out. Christ's return will be unannounced. That's why in verse 3 he says it will happen suddenly just when people are feeling safe and secure, kind of like the attacks on September 11th in New York City. Now they knew this teaching, but Jesus is reminding them of what they already knew. And you know, that's part of the role of preaching is is to just remind us of things we already know. So we are ready because we tend to get busy and forget. But he uses two metaphors here. A thief in the night he said Jesus and Jesus himself said that he would come like a thief in the night in this scenario we all know that our homes could be broken into either when we're away or when we're asleep and so we just hope it never happens but we try to be prepared for that eventuality by deadbolting our doors um, and by installing a security system maybe but we try to mitigate the possibility of getting broken into but then he uses another metaphor labor pains on a pregnant woman in this scenario you know it's going to happen you, you just as you are looking forward to it but you just don't know exactly when it's going to happen, the exact day and the hour. So you mitigate the possibility of being caught off guard by getting the suitcase packed ahead of time, making sure there's gas in the car. You go to those, you know, uh, birth classes and all of that uh, just so that you're ready that when it does happen, you're not caught unawares. And so Paul the Apostle in this letter to the Thessalonians, he says this in verses 4 and 5. He said, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Now, he, he's using this metaphor of light and darkness. And we find this all through the New Testament. In the writings of John and the Apostle Paul, uh, we find this light and darkness. He says, you are not in darkness that this day should surprise you. He's saying, for the Christian, don't be surprised. Don't be like, I'm not ready. He's he's saying, "Don't, don't be surprised. You are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. In other words, he's saying, be ready. Understand your identity. As Christians, you are children of light. We walk in the light. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before people that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so he's saying, be ready at all times. Why? Because the Lord's coming back. I'll be back, right? He's, he, I don't think he said it that way. But he's coming back. But we don't know when. It'll happen suddenly. It'll be unexpected, even for us, but we can be ready. So then, in verses six and following, he says, So then, let's not be like others who are asleep. Let's be awake and sober. Now, he's talking about light darkness. He's talking about daytime, nighttime. He's talking about being awake or being sober or being asleep. He says, verse 7, those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Typically, when do people drink a lot? If they're going to drink. At night. When do people carouse and party? At night or on the weekend, like the weekend warriors. But he's saying, you're not like that. He says in verse 8, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let's be sober. Sober, awake, alert. I wonder, how many of you know what a pop quiz is? I remember being in, uh, particularly in university, we had certain professors who were sort of sadistic, and um, they would tell you, there's going to be pop quizzes this semester, and uh, you just got to be ready. And I'll tell you something, I like to be prepared. I was ready. I was a good student. I didn't have a 4.0 average. My wife did, but... uh, but I was a good student, and I was ready for those pop quizzes because I thought, I don't want to show up in class. I get there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then they, the, the professor springs this on you, and it's going to count towards your final grade. Or how about uh, unexp- unannounced on-site inspections in the workplace where they say, just know that the supervisor you know, or the boss might just show up unexpectedly. Just make sure you're not falling asleep on the job make sure that things are looking the way they should and uh, that they're safe and clean and so on. And you know, we understand that way of thinking. It means you've got to be vigilant and you've got to be prepared, not paranoid. This is not about being paranoid. It's about being vigilant, being awake, being sober. Um, And so we can start to think that we've got all the time in the world. Now, if you're young, If you consider yourself to be young, you might think, you know, I got lots of time to figure all this spiritual stuff out. Because, you know, I'm not even close to death yet. You know, I mean, Brian, you're 70. Look at you. You know, but uh, I've got lots of time. And so we might become complacent and be, you know, be lulled into what Paul says a false sense of security. And think, you know, I got time to get ready. I don't have to get ready right now. You know, if you're a student in university and you took that attitude and say, you know, I got time for that paper, you know, that I got to, you know, hand in in November and that final exam in December, and you know what, it sneaks up on you pretty fast. And you got to watch out for the pop quiz. And so a lot of Christians are like that. I think it's, we're not ready for the black swan event. We're not ready for uh, not only the good surprises, the happy surprises, but the the ones that are really negative. And we need to be ready for whatever. Um, And so, Jesus, Paul says here in this passage, he said, some will not be ready, destruction will come upon them suddenly, and they will not escape. That's what he says. It's a warning to us. They will not escape. It's going to happen suddenly. They're going to realize, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And that's what the parable of the ten virgins is about in Matthew 25. And so this will create kind of like an existential crisis for a lot of people when they realize he's calm and I'm not ready. So here he uses the metaphor of light and darkness, of being asleep or awake. When do people sleep? Typically, we sleep at night. But he says here, you are not in darkness, and you do not belong to the night. So what he's saying, and here's the metaphor, he's saying, Christians, spiritually speaking, you're never ever asleep. You are always awake. Always As a believer in the Lord Jesus, we belong to the day, and so we must always be awake and sober, vigilant and alert. So here's the question. How can we be ready at his return? Because he is coming back. He says here in verse 8, he says, Therefore, since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on faith and love as a breastplate, and hope as the salvation, hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God, he talks about the full armor of God. He's giving two pieces here. And he talks in Ephesians chapter 6 about the breastplate of righteousness. Here he talks about faith and love. But remember, the Apostle Paul said, I want to be found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The breastplate of righteousness is faith. When you stand before God on the basis of faith in the Lord Jesus and what He has done for you, that's your covering right there. And the Apostle Paul, when he says, put on Faith and love is a breastplate. Do you know what he's saying? Uh, Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 6. The Apostle Paul talks about faith expressing itself through love. If you have genuine faith, your faith will express itself through good deeds, through good works. Your faith will express itself through love. And what is love? Love is practical deeds of kindness and compassion. That's your breastplate. And he's saying... Don't be lulled into a place of spiritual complacency. Don't say to yourself, well, somebody else will take care of that need. I don't need to worry about that. I've got lots of time to get my act together. Or I've got lots of time to get involved in ministry. No. Today is the day. And that means that we need to be paying attention to our faith. I wake up every morning, as you know, and I just don't miss, I don't allow myself to miss my daily quiet time where I take my Bible, I've got my journal, I often have a devotional book, and I've got a pen, and I've got my coffee, but I have my devotions. in an, Generally in an unrushed time where I can sit and soak in the presence of God, that's putting on faith and love as a breastplate. I, can, I can't tell you where I, where I might be if I wasn't doing that every day. It'd be so easy for me to fall asleep, to fall into slumber, spiritually speaking. But then he says, put faith and love on as a breastplate, but put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. And that means you want to make sure that you've got the helmet of salvation nicely fit because that's the protection of your mind. The Apostle Paul talks about the transformation of the mind. And it's interesting, during COVID-19, we have heard of a spike with mental health problems, and I feel badly for people who struggle with depression, who struggle with mental health problems, and there is mental health disease, and I do believe it is a disease, but I can tell you this, when you put on the hope of salvation as a helmet, what you are doing is you're going to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, and he's going to carry you through. Those difficult times. You know, we've heard about people like suicides have increased during COVID, uh, mental health, uh, depression, and that sort of thing. People are feeling um, isolated um, and, and so on. But I, I wonder, could this not be a time when we say, Lord, if there was ever a time I need you, it's right now. What about people like Watchman Nee, the pastor in China many years ago who spent his last days in prison in a cell? how did he stay spiritually victorious? How was that different? And so we need to learn that isolation can teach us about intimacy with our Lord Jesus. So this is what he says here in verse 9. Verses 9 and 10, he says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. God does not take any pleasure in seeing people well, as people like to say, go to hell. No, he doesn't. God is not willing that any perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So he reminds us here in this passage in First Thessalonians, be awake, be sober. He wants you to be ready. For us as believers, it's daytime and it's wartime. We're not living in peacetime Because the Christian life is a battle. And I know that is not a popular metaphor in our day. The military metaphor. But it's in the Bible, folks. And it's in the New Testament. Where in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, You are not civilians. You are soldiers. When do people fight in the ancient world? When did they fight? They did not typically fight at night. Because they couldn't see. They typically fought in the daytime. It's daytime for us. We're children of the day, children of light. We fight in the day. So it is daytime, it is wartime. We've got to put on the breastplate of faith and love in the helmet with that has, you know, of salvation. And we need to be ready to be about the Father's work at all times. And I God bless you. You folks are doing that. You inspire me. Keep doing what you're doing. And be about the Father's work. We are on call. Life is not a vacation. Christian life is not a vacation. It's a vocation. It really is. So that means even when I'm on holidays, I'm still on call. If God needs me. So this is not about speculating about dates and times. And, you know, who's the Antichrist? And is it going to be premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial? You know, is it going to be a rapture? Is it, you know, folks just be ready just be ready for whatever that is god's word and so why does this matter well look at look look what paul says in verse 11 he says encourage one another he says therefore because of what i'm saying encourage one another build each other up when you come face to face with the lord jesus and you will one day you will see him as he is and you'll become like him the bible says it's not about whether you said the prayer of salvation. Jesus, I don't think he's going to ask that. Did you say the prayer? It's not about whether you professed, I believe, because anybody can say words. It's going to be, was your life transformed and were you conformed more and more to the likeness of Jesus Christ, as it says in Romans 8.29? Paul says in Galatians 4 to the Galatians, I am in the pains of labor for you until Christ is formed in you. That's our task here in this world, is to be ready for his coming again. Because there will be a day of reckoning. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is teaching. There will be a day of reckoning for all of us. One day there will be a judgment. We'll stand before it and we'll receive our rewards and punishments, the Bible says. But sometimes people think, oh, I got all the time in the world. I have two friends. Kelly Brower, who was the first husband of our district superintendent, Rose Brower Young. He was my children's pastor for four years. And he died of a heart attack at the age of 37 while training for a triathlon. And then another associate pastor I worked with, Derek Liebenberg from South Africa. He died in his sleep in South Africa at the age of 40, when his wife is expecting the first child. I could tell you this, though. They were ready. And their wives were comforted to know that these men who died an untimely death, as far as we can see, were ready. So it needs to impact how we live today. It's not about dates and times and trying to figure out the chronology of Christ's return. That's, No. It's about a transformed life. Let's hope for each one of us that when Christ returns, it'll be a happy surprise. (laughs) It's it's supposed to be a celebration because the bridegroom has come for his church. It should be a celebration. And so what I want to do is I want to lead us in prayer. And I'd like us just to bow our heads and then we're going to have communion together as we close. For those who are watching online, For those of you who are here, do you believe that Christ died for us and for you? Do you believe that he rose again in the body on the third day? And that he lives now? Do you believe that he is now at the right hand of the Father in heaven, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is coming back to save us, to rescue us from this fallen world, from this world that's engulfed in darkness, to bring us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom that He is preparing for us. If you do, would you just say, "Lord Jesus, I believe. Would you just say that? You' going to pray that silently, say, "Lord, I believe these things." Well, if you do, then here's what you need to do, and, and what I need to do is be sober and awake. Would you say, Lord, help me to be sober, to be awake at all times? It's daytime. Wear your armor and be a soldier because it's also wartime. And then what he says in verse 11, he says, encourage and edify one another. The word edify is where we get the word edifice. Build each other up. That's our task. To be awake, to wear our armor, and to edify each other, encourage each other spiritually. So would you now say, Lord, I am willing to confess you with my mouth. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I will confess you to anyone who needs to hear and who is open to hear your message, the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I believe in my heart that you raised Christ from the dead. Now help me, Lord, to encourage others, to build them up. And I'm just going to ask you, finally, just as a takeaway, would you just say, Lord, I, by your grace, will be in a constant state of readiness Help me, Lord, to spend time in your presence, to take time away from the busyness and distractions of life so that I am ready at all times, ready to serve and ready for your return. And would you say, Lord, would you put on my heart someone that I can reach out to, someone who needs Jesus, someone who needs hope, someone that I can encourage, Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for this word in First Thessalonians chapter five for the writings of Paul, for the writings of Scripture in Jesus name. Amen. So if you didn't get um, one of these on your way in this morning, uh, this has this is just a little uh, communion cup with some grape juice and there's a little wafer there, and we are going to Just in closing, and for those that are watching online, um, you can join us. And we are going to, well, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, he said, we proclaim his death until he comes. Until he comes. And he is coming back again. So this is a proclamation of our faith And our readiness for his return. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Take this and eat in remembrance that Christ died for you. The blood. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the new covenant shed for you on the cross where Christ was crucified. Take and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you. We thank you, Father, for these emblems. They symbolize the body and blood of your Son, Jesus, broken for us and the blood shed for us. May we be broken for those, Lord, to whom you send us. May we be willing, Lord, to pour out our lives the way Jesus did so that all of us can be ready when you return. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week, and Merry Christmas, five days.